dive into the whirlpool. Two things are infinite. The universe and human stupidity. Peep that grain bill. Oh, would you look at that? Would you look at that? Prepare your hot pellets. Get your mouth ready. Make sure to give the stainless a thorough sandy. Burn your whole freaking place down. Prepare to subject yourself to public scrutiny. I'm not here sweating my fucking balls off to cook some dickhead a Friday. It's release day at the Canning Run Podcast, and we're talking about the brewing process. Wow. I'll never drink another beer. Beer here. I'll take ten. Hello to all you conicals and brights, and welcome to the Canning Run Podcast. I'm Tony. I'm Justin. I'm Tom. Jeremy. Each week we tackle a topic and ask ourselves this essential question. When did things go wrong for beer? Did things go wrong for beer? This week, we're taking another break from that to discuss how beer is made with our dear friend, Jeremy Spearin from Cold Harbor Brewing Company. Remember, we're big, bad New England fanboys and it comes up every now and then. Also, if you hear anything on the episode today that really grinds your gears, let us know by sending us an email at canningrunpod at gmail.com. Who knows, your hot take might make it into an episode someday. And also, be social, y'all, and follow our Instagram page for information regarding upcoming episodes. Search Canning Run Pod. Love you. All right. All right. I am so excited today. Yeah, me too. We've been talking about getting Jeremy on for a long time, and... This he's here. He's, he's here. Well, we're, we're here we're with there, him. Yeah. yeah. We're actually here at Cold Harbor. On site. And for those who've been listening since the start, if you want to go through each episode and get a like a counter for how many times this man's name <laughs> mentioned, yeah. I think we're up in like, I'd say at least the 20s. Oh, yeah. Maybe for even sure. 30s. Yeah. Um, so welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. And... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, I, I'm so just so psyched to see you. It's been a long time since yeah. we've even been able to see you because of everything going on in the world. It is weird for us to do a beer podcast not knowing. Probably, you've probably forgotten more shit than we know about beer. I would say so. And absolutely, yeah, I don't even. Well, this is your job. <laughs> this is your job. <laughs> yeah, this is something you do with frequency. Yeah, second nature. Hell and, yeah. and I know you don't like hearing it, but you're good at it, so yeah, we'll get that out of the way. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll give yeah. the, um, the the congratulations on being fantastic early on, and then we'll never bring it up again. Yeah, and we'll ask you about you know your bad experiences with beer, or if you've made any beers that are nightmares in your opinion, and every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're starting fresh with honesty. I love it. Um, so. Today we're just kind of talking about the brewing pro- podcast. Uh, sorry, the brewing process. Um, I think for some of our listeners, they have no idea how beer's made. So maybe we can just kind of go from start to finish the, the process as it goes as easy as possible, fully knowing that it's not easy in any stretch of the word. Um, yeah, if, I mean, if you could <laughs> if you could break it down into like a really like the bare the bare bones that you pretty much have to do for any style of beer that you make. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, summarized, we start the whole process with, uh, you know, we figure out what our grist is going to be for uh, the grains we're using in the beer. And then, uh, you know, we set the grist case. 
we auger that into the mash tun once it's time to actually make the beer. So it'll slowly auger in the grain. Um, we uh, add the water, whatever our set, our desired strike water is for the mash. Different temperatures in the mash process will create different types of sugars, some for more fermentable than others. And uh, so then once it's set in the mash tun, we let all the sugars kind of uh, extract out of the grain. From there, you know, we have a really high gravity wort as it's called. Okay. Uh, so, so wort is like the, the grain water? Yeah, it's like a grain sugar tea uh, that it's essentially unfermented beer. Uh, okay. So from there, we'll transfer it over to the uh, boil kettle after all the mash process is done. Um, you know, that's where we'll boil it down. Uh, you know, if we have any hop additions, that's where the hops will go in in the boil process. And then, you know, after the boil, we'll transfer it over to our whirlpool tank, which uh, essentially is for the end of the boil. You're gonna get a lot of uh, the aromatics and flavors out of the hops. So we'll, when we send the beer over to the, uh, well, not the beer, the wort, over to the whirlpool tank, you add the hops in, and it's sending the, the wort in from the side, so it kind of does a whirlpool spinning type of uh, technique, and uh, it will mix all the hops through and create a cone at the bottom so it doesn't clog up while we're transferring it. Uh, once that stops spinning, we'll, we will run that through a chiller to drop it down to our desired temperature, and goes, it, that goes right into uh, the fermenter, and we get it at the temperature we want. We pitch the yeast, and uh, that's uh, that most summarized like yeah, yeah. bare bones I process then, ever. And then like everything that's in there does what it's supposed to do. Like the yeast is interacting with those sugars, which is creating yeah, so the, CO2, alcohol, other things. Flavors. So I, I guess I just described the the what we call the hot side of brewing. It's okay. like the physical, uh, the making the wort, the because we don't make beer, the yeast. It makes the beer. That's a great point. Yeah, we're the we're the like yeast custodians. So okay. we once it's in the fermenter, it becomes a whole different process. There's certain techniques we have to do to ensure that uh, the fermentation goes smoothly, doesn't stall out, and uh, you know we constantly check our gravity of the wort, make sure that it's uh, fermenting at a a nice uh, steady pace, and. Uh, you know, then at certain points there'll be dry hops that have to happen. Yep. They'll, uh, you know, th uh, after that there's you know dumps we have to do off the tank to get the hops out of there once it's at the the right amount of time. Uh, you know, yeah. Summarize again the most summarized well, thing. You did a ever. really great job taking something that is like super general. In, yeah, yeah. Well, taking something that's incredibly complex and you know there are so many temperature variations that you need to have specifically for your brews. Um, different grain bills, malts, hops, there's so many things that go into it, but I think you really described it as like you take a grist or a malt, right, and then you put that in the mash tun. Can you describe what like a mash is for someone who would have maybe no idea? So uh, a mash, uh, the, uh, the grist is usually built up of, uh, there's two types of grains. There's the, the base malt, which is gonna get you the sugars you need for that yeast to turn 
the sugar into alcohol essentially. So there's different types of base malts. There's like Pilsner malt, which is a nice light, biscuity, crackery flavored malt. Then there's Golden Promise, which is a UK based malt that's a little more robust. Then there's American Two Row, which is the most modified, easiest base grain to use ever. Uh, then you get more specific, uh, like, you know, some beers you want to build that body up and you can use flaked grains to build up the body of a beer, get that nice mouthfeel. Uh, then if you want darker colors, you're using, you know, essentially burnt grains that aren't really going to add any fermentable sugars. Uh, it's mostly all just color, flavor. Um, so you can do a lot with little tweaks to the grain, but I, again, there's only so much you can do with what you have. Really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's super cool. That's, you know, <clears throat> it's crazy just because uh, hearing you say that flaked grain adds to the the mouthfeel. In my ignorance, I always just thought that was a hop thing. Well, uh, and maybe it is to a certain extent still, but I never, I don't know, I never thought. And I, I mean, just saying, even saying flaked grain, you know, adding to a mouthfeel, I'm like, oh yeah, that seems to connect in my head at least and, and make more that sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, the way I, like, I try to do, like describe it to people sometimes is like when you make oatmeal or something and you have like a really like soupy, like it's not like a really loose batch of oatmeal and you get that like milky type of, uh, liquid that ends up sitting in there and it's got that like very like textured like mouth yeah. like feel, mouth feel but uh, uh that's essentially what that grain's going to do to the the wort that we're using for the beer but like you said hops do play a huge part in the mouthfeel of beers because a lot of them have high oils and like right sometimes even before like making a new beer or something i'll taste the fermented beer before it's dry hopped and I'm like oh no this is really dry and thin like uh, I get a little bit of worried and then once I add that dry hop in like the next day it's like freaking bulked up like times three it's uh the mouth mouthfeel amplifies the comes yeah just yeah from those oils and like is there any other aspect of like the hop that like remain in the beer even when you get rid of that dry like the 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 rest of the hop you know what i'm saying like what stays behind when you remove those pellets or the actual hops you're using yeah there's like just the acids the like there's alpha acids and i've i'm not a scientist i don't <laughs> That's know fine. i forget the i was just wondering because like what you're saying is like so incredibly interesting because like as you're saying like the beer that you have prior to that dry hop like feels really thin to you and then you add your your dry hop and then all of a sudden it just completely almost changes specifically with mouthfeel That's totally that's brilliant and so different yeasts will do will do the same thing you know uh, some of them are uh, you know high flock or low flock so a more uh, low flocculation uh, yeast which would be like what's being used in most like hazy New England IPAs the reason all that yeast is in suspension because it doesn't drop out as quickly as some of these other strains like some of these like the like Cali yeast and uh, you know some English types of yeast, uh, so that will also change the mouthfeel up a little. I don't know how I got no. back to mouthfeel, but no, uh, it's okay. I mean, I, I asked you kind of about that. So just going backwards, it's 
we start off with that grain bill, right? And then we put it in the mash. We come out with some wort, and then we take that wort and we add to it, right? With that initial hopping maybe, adding our malts too. Absolutely. Yep. And then we take that, cool it down, put it into our fermenters, and then, as you said, and I really loved, did you say you're like the yeast protectors? Yeah, the yeast custodians. Man. Yes, the <laughs> yeast custodians. That's such a sick way. Like, I feel like depending on who you talk to in the industry, they would like, they would interject themselves into that process as like, this is what I did, or this is what I created. And, and what's so humbling, and this is why I feel like, sorry to give some positivity. This is why I feel like we really love you specifically as a brewer in your practice, because like you always bring it back to like, I don't have as much control as, as other people lend you to believe with these things, you know? Yeah, man, I don't make beer, man. I just, I have, I don't have many friends, but I'm friends with all that yeast, you know? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> oh, man. I make sure it's happy all the time, you know? I, I love that, but that's really is, that's what you're doing, right? Because if it becomes unhappy, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, you'll get off flavors, uh, stalled fermentation, uh, you know? I back in our uh not to go back to our old days when we were in the plastic fermenters i literally used to just take like masking tape and put it on the side of the fermenter and just like write i love you on the side of the fermenter <laughs> and stuff. just like ridiculous yeah. stuff like, and like, uh, like playing classical music for uh, your plants or something yeah yeah, yeah right? exactly yeah. it's like that uh, i forget the scientist's name that did that study on freezing water yeah and like he would play like death metal to one of them and <laughs> classical music and then one of them would be this like dissonant formation of ice crystals and classical music would be like this beautiful geometric like looking like actual <laughs> crystals on there. I'm like, all right, so There's something if I it. tell this fermenter I love it every day. Something gonna, positive will happen. It's going to be you're, good. You're giving that like positive energy back into the product. I love that. I love that. Um, and, and it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that living things respond to vibrations and stuff like that. Yeah, like positive vibrations. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation we yeah. get. I'm giving away my secrets right now. The yeast is so mad at me right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People, people in the industry are taking notes. Like, Don't worry, we'll cut them. Show love. Show love. <laughs> you just come in one day and you're like in this place in like Connecticut and they're just like hugging their fermenter. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I have a kind of a question. It's not necessarily about the the whole process but it's like how, how do you how do you decide where to start like do you have an idea of the kind of beer you want to make in your head and then you kind of you know write the the list of things you're going to need to do that or is it kind of just like uh experimentation and whatever happens happens and then you kind of tweak it from from what it gives you yeah so basically well, let me start from like when i first started home brewing i remember like thinking about people making their own recipes and just being dumbfounded by like how the hell do you just like just think up this like specific grist that you're going to use to make this style of beer and it, I just I couldn't I didn't think I'd ever be able to really grasp that and then over time you make enough styles and you do it you know uh, multiple times and you kind of understand the the basic elements of each style of beer. And then from there, you know, you make a batch, there's something a little off in it, you can, you know, tweak back. Say you make a stout and you get a really extra burnt flavor and it's almost like a little too astringent, then you know, you dial back the roasted barley. 
or like uh, you get a little too sweet of a flavor in like an ESB or something and you know you added too much uh, caramel malt. So as eventually you can kind of, uh, even like based off of like, I'm gonna use this type of hop and it uh, doesn't have as much of a oil content as another one, you know it's gonna have a more green edge. You know you can adjust certain sweeter elements or you know, raise your mash temperature and get a sweeter character in the uh, the base wort that you're making. And uh, eventually you just can kind of tweak things. Uh, and also we don't have a pilot system, so uh, <laughs> I've had, the, <laughs> had to make many new beers just crossing my fingers and yeah. so, so kind of force... Much- force learns you a little yeah it, it's pretty much both like you do have a plan but but you're reacting to what it's giving you in the process yeah exactly. there's there's like a trial and error component to all of this yeah. yep, totally. that i think people like us like consumers don't really understand that i feel like you know a lot of people get up in arms when something doesn't taste like it should or how it used to and i think that type of variance comes from just people's like having not very good palates or understanding that their palates might be affected by something else in that moment um but it's interesting to hear that, like, your practice has really come from that, tr- kind of that trial and error. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm going to, like, side note again uh, with, like, the process of people noticing changes and stuff. Uh, you know, like, certain beers that we make all the time, like Juice Freak specifically, because we, for a while, our distributor was just wanted more and more and more of that beer, and we were making it all the time. And there'd be these little things I was learning that I would want to change in the recipe to you know make it better but I didn't want it to be constantly changing for the consumer so for something like juice freak if I wanted to change something I would you know I would have to incrementally change little things like the water treatment which is another part of mouthfeel of a beer you know like higher chloride in your water is gonna give you more of like that uh, pillowy feel that right uh, right that smoother um it's not as hard of like like gypsum is going to harden your water and also makes hops a little more bitter when there's more gypsum. so there's certain water elements too that how do you how do you make changes to your water because you have a water source correct yeah so we will when we're uh you know the mash the strike water we're using in the mash will we will add like certain minerals and stuff okay. to the um so that's how you to the water and that's something again i am so removed from science when i'm brewing so i'm it's kind of just process based just all process based like this worked on this batch and uh but i feel like it needs a little more chloride so you know i'll adjust it slightly um but I, we don't have like meters for that or anything you know yeah do, do you think having having to brew that way we're like where you have to incrementally change things so other people don't notice actually helps you figure out like what works better because you're I mean, changing I've, one little variable at a time. I, I've never really thought of it like that, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. like uh, you know, slight tweaks and knowing how much you can increase it by. But the cool thing is, is when we start making like a new beer, yeah, all these new things I've been learning or talking to people about or something, I'm just like, boom, you know, just like yeah. yeah quantum leap of change in that beer and then that's why new beers that are coming out are way more noticeable like of like wow that has 
that's a little better than the you know other stuff they were making last month or something or not that it's yeah well better, I, I, I gotta say though yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta say though like I've I've had beer from certain breweries that like reaches a certain place and then goes down and then back up I've never had a beer from you that like goes backwards and maybe this is just you know me and my own you know a lot of things impact decisions and thoughts people have but I feel like ever since the start like having your beer it's only ever improved so I feel like you really do take a lot of note and like what it needs and then you do that yeah totally I mean me personally uh, other than the last like Kolsch I am always just disappointed in everything that comes out I'm just that's part of it though you yeah. know that's crazy if I ever start liking the beers it's gonna be a problem because that's when they're gonna start going the other no, way no you're, you're entirely yeah, yeah, gotta yeah. drive you yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like uh, you know I'm always like oh you know that's way too green of an like that tastes way too green what is this uh, and I'll you know look at my notes and stuff and then I'll be like oh it's because it's a different year of citra that I used and it's got a slightly lower alpha acid like damn it I've got to adjust okay. things to make so there, there that is, work for the same beer you know there is something to hop variants oh absolutely it's almost like that's the biggest ch- like you know people always say like the thing about beer is it's always consistent because your grain sugars are going to be the same where wine it d- depends on your uh, grape variety that year it could be completely different if it rained a lot or but hops really are the like the grape of the uh, the beer process, you know, oh. it's a the year to year they will not much. They'll be pretty consistent, but you know, you can see a fluctuation of like twelve to fourteen alpha acid if you're looking at hops year to year, or okay. like you know this this year's seven alpha acid, this year's ten on like a like Centennial or Cascade or something. So and th- this is information they give you when you're ordering the hops. Yep. So it's yeah. there's always like a lot number on your hops. And uh, you can look up that lot number and it'll tell you your betas, your different oils that are in the hop. And uh, This is very validating to hear because I feel like recently on the podcast, we kind of postulated that as like a potential for why things shift and change. Oh, I don't absolutely. know if you guys remember that, but we talked yeah, about Yeah, you guys like, were talking about like Galaxy or something. Yeah, right? we were talking about how like, you know, maybe some of this variance that we notice comes because there's hop variants. And like, we just assume the hop's always gonna be the same, but that's crazy because yeah. it's a plant. Yeah, I never thought of the, uh, that hops are the grape of, of beer. I never thought of it that way either until like right now. <laughs> yeah, some fucking magazine beer publication. Get this shit in your magazine. Hops uh, are the grape of beer. It's, uh. That's insane to start, but also in, in similar to what you were saying, Tony, about uh, how, we, how we've discussed hops have changed. Have you noticed any, and this could be something totally wrong, but I think we had a theory that because a lot of these tropical flavored you know the the hops that you get a lot more tropical flavors from they're in a lot more higher demand do you think any of the the farming practices like do you have any insight into that how anything might have changed or it, could that change the hop also yeah i'm i'm not 100 percent sure maybe if they're getting too big too quick and trying to supply brokers and stuff and they're trying to like rush their process and they're using unmature vines or something just trying to i don't know right yeah i mean it's a supplier question you never know yeah Yeah. you would would think though over the past 10 years demand for hops is probably like 10x exponential oh yeah they're trying to grow probably non-stop you know uh so 
can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. Like how to meet that demand. Or if they're using like a new, they, you know, they till up some new land and, you know, it, it's not as rich in nutrients or something and it changes the, the, you know, they're like, oh, we didn't want to use that acre because uh, <laughs> there was this growing there yeah. or this, and, but we got to use it. We got to increase our volume, you know? That's a great thought because like maybe some of what we're talking about isn't even like what they go through and measure in the hops like what they give you you know you're talking about those like alpha acids right or some of those other measures that they actually take on the hop yeah like this new problem that we're even talking about might not even exist in their measurements they could be measuring the output of what happens after without and i'm sure that you know they probably are taking a lot more into consideration than we're giving them credit for to be honest just because well i don't know though when you have the higher demand like maybe they're not maybe like you said you know this an acre was used for x instead of y or z and you know of course what you plant from year to year affects the nutrients in the soil so i mean uh yeah let's just use a coffee example right a place like dunkin donuts needs a lot of coffee okay (laughs) so do you think that their like their variants is all over the place for their coffee like i mean it's for the most part it's like pretty yeah, or like or like Budweiser, but, but they're using hops. I guess I guess what I'm saying less on the variant <laughs> side, but like more on the like just lower quality side, right? Like there are certain growers of coffee beans that like are super small farms. They have total control. They've been doing right. it for a super long time, and they have a relationship with a roastery. Well, and it's also I'm as sure, opposed to just like we're buying up the total crop from Costa Rica. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, the I, I see what you're saying. I'm sure the type of coffee that they select too is like the easiest to grow, the most. Uh, you know, we'll deal with the most shitty conditions and definitely just, like the most foolproof. But so like, they don't if care about the quality as much. Yeah. But yeah. if that's if that's something that's been done in other industries, because there's a huge boom in hop yeah. need, sometimes f- to meet demand, we reduce quality. And I don't know if that's a thing or not. But I, I mean, I, I literally, personally, I feel like I know like point right. zero 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 five percent of the whole like beer world like hops and stuff i'm just like almost making up what i think it could be <laughs> yeah well we uh, are too for the sake of this podcast like, yeah, like, <laughs> i don't know like what fda like needs them to approve or tests for their like growing or what you know like it, it could there could be so many variables like uh or like the there's also uh, most people are using pelletized hops rather than whole cone so you know, essentially, when they're compacting those pellets, like, did it get more of the leafy material in there? Are they, like, denser pellets? Um, you know, That's a great point. there's... That's a wicked good point. There's so many, like, little... And they're, they're making so many different, uh, like, hop extractions now. There's, like, these, like, this hop pastes you can use and, like, Powder. literal tinctures of, like, yeah. hops and, like... Uh, you know, they make cryo hops that's, like essentially hop hash you know like <laughs> jesus Christ. so there's so many th- and i'm like i'm just literally afraid to use some of this this stuff because uh you know it's just like such an extreme change i mean uh it could be so many and another another thing too that could be the change in people's beer that used to be a certain way is if they change locations they're town water is a huge part of it and trying to figure like that's one of the like scariest things to me is like 
if we ever move to a new location yeah. and have like completely uh, different town water that's like super high in like sodium and uh, you know sulfate. I'm like, I'm gonna have to change my water treatment up uh, dramatically and. It's like starting fresh all over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Do you yeah. think? Do you think tree like a place like Treehouse, who people like often hypothesize that the water in Munson was like awesome and it helped make their beer taste good? Do you think that they put a lot of consideration into Charlton's water supply or where they were going to? I'm they sure. Must have. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that was a huge. And th- like again, they're I'm all by feel. I don't do right. anything like I wish I knew more specifics, but I think it would almost like. Uh, halt me a little if I started thinking about it too much. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I just close. It puts I feel a like ceiling. I'm closing my eyes and just. It puts a ceiling on like what you're capable of doing. Yeah, yeah. And I feel for you that ceiling's constantly getting pushed higher and higher. Yeah, yeah. So like, for them, they're probably like, well, we did this lab test in the water, and in order to get it exactly the same, we have to add this. But when you're adding these like, you know, it's inorganic different. compounds like, uh, uh, you know. Uh, calcium chloride or something uh it's not the same as it just being, being in the water yeah. yeah so it's as, even though you're reading it in the water it's going to be a little different you know yeah uh, and uh i had another point that i just completely lost no, maybe it'll come but i the, the water thing's brilliant because i don't know if you guys know about the water in shrewsbury which is right next to westboro where we are now but it's like it's like known as being like tough like okay. super hard. Yeah, um, so the high gypsum content. Yeah, probably, there's like a like... lot of um, other concerns with like some some other things. Um, I wish I knew exactly what they were. Uh, if you do know, please send us an email at canningrunpod at gmail.com. Um, for your health. Yeah, but, but interestingly enough, there are no breweries in Shrewsbury, and I wonder if that's a reason huh. why is because they would have to use their their water, really? and the water there's... is like atrocious. Like there's. There's like warnings about their water even on the Shrewsbury Town website. That's crazy. Actually, no. That that sounds like it would kind of make sense, especially in this area. Like, there's typically a brewery in most towns, especially you know. Yeah, around here. Between Westboro and, I mean, Shrewsbury you know, is some good the, real estate right there too. That's yeah. a good spot. Shrewsbury to be. is great real estate. Yeah. And there's tons of people who would come to your establishment. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah we definitely. got breweries in Worcester. There's breweries all around Shrewsbury. It's interesting that they don't have any. Yeah. So. And There's another thing there. with with sorry to interrupt you, but oh, no, uh, another thing with water I just thought of too is like the reason why like Budweiser can have so many facilities and they're. St- I I will say right now I love macro loggers. They're yeah. just <laughs> yeah. They're like systematically they're very perfect. consistent. Yeah, yeah. They're and they're <laughs> consist. They're probably using reverse osmosis for their water, right. which you literally have this like fine mesh. I, I don't even exactly know how it works, but it, essentially you have blank slate water and you build it exactly how you want it to be. So <laughs> there's literally just whatever water is without anything else is what you end up with. And then you can do whatever you want to it. So that, That's their so QC interesting. department can just build it exactly the same everywhere there are, you know? It's expensive though for reverse osmosis and would probably take up the whole facility here if we had that in yeah so wow that's something we've said though you know that uh actually i think it was one of my former co-workers that said that uh ab and bev has the best qa department and like they actually have the highest quality in terms of like brewing what they set out to brew 
because no matter what facility it was brewed at, Bud Light tastes the exact same. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point, and that's so interesting. Yeah. Before we move totally away from hops, because I know it's kind of like a very large topic, um, do you, how do you feel about the pat, like the patented hops that they're putting out now that that only certain people can grow? And like, yeah, like specific ones, like Galaxy can only be grown yeah. here, Citra Mosaic. can only be grown here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any feelings? Like, I mean, I mean. <laughs> Some guy that's a genius that like created Citra. Yeah. That's I mean, true. He's probably like that shit's mine. You he's know? on a yacht. <laughs> he's on a yacht somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, I so get it. Good for them. I but, guess. But uh, yeah, it's a you know smart move to make with this industry growing like it is. Like I don't know. Yeah. I uh, yeah I don't know. I don't that's know how fine. Yeah. specifically. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I think it really just comes down to the fact that they're used in everything now. They're, like, overused, I feel, whereas in some people... And, and that's changing now. Like, you're seeing more hops that you don't normally see, specifically in, like, these, like, super hazy juice bombs that everyone's putting out literally everywhere. Um, people are using just different hops now. Yeah, different regions, too, are, you know, like... In the last few years, uh, South African hops have become a big thing, you know, like... There was the boom of Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Every region is now like, oh, like we gotta like get it on this. You yeah. know, like our climate's perfect for this. This will probably bring out this character. And you know, essentially, you know, all hops came from the original noble hops. And you know, it's just different variations and where they're grown and the fact that they can all have such different character from those basic original hops like that is it's beautiful you know it's it's funny it's funny how when humans find something they like they will just fucking crossbreed it and make it's as much as many combinations of that thing as they can whether it's beer or Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tomato, I knew it was going there. Tomatoes. No, but, but it's like everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's true. Really is, yeah. it's, it's a wicked good point, and I feel like when more people get into something like that, more and more money's funneled into it, so more growth happens. Like, specifically yeah. with weed, like, because it's become more and more uh, legal, it there's been huge amounts of research done, which is why there's so many different variants now for yeah. different things. But going back to hops, that's exciting, though, seeing that, like, they'll be grown in different places in the world yeah. because, like, we might get new hops at some point or things that we've never oh, yeah. experienced before, which might make beer even better. I don't know. I, I feel like I see a new hop at the liquor store. If, if I'm, like, looking for craft beer, if I'm, like, reading bottles, I'll see a hop I've never heard of almost every time I'm at the, at the you know, Julio's or whatever. Yeah. I think that's just because, like, the market's been so oversaturated by some of those, like, Galaxy Mosaic uh, type of, you know... Yeah, totally. IPAs that, like, people are looking for different flavor combos. And for a while, like, oats was, like, popular yep. in certain IPAs and stuff. But um, I was a fan of that. I, I was, it. too. I really liked some of those beers. Yeah. Um, hey, you guys all like Ravenna. That has a good portion of oats in there. Oh, okay. It was unreal. Yeah. How that, good that, 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 was, was. That, might have been, that might be my favorite Cold Harbor beer of the last six six months. I mean, it's, it's hard to compete against the Kolsch, but it's like... That's my favorite IPA. I'm about to yeah. leak some information right now. It's my favorite IPA I've Ooh, ever we've had. Had, We've been in the talk... This year. The talking of uh, making a uh, new double IPA, Ravenna, like, mosaic, like, 8-plus percent beer. <sighs> uh, so, 
That will nice. be coming. You guys make dangerous beers to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just sounds. Yeah. Actually, it sounds quite nice. But, but uh, I, going back to all these new hops too, uh, for me, it's almost a little overwhelming because we use like a total course. of like eleven different hops right now. You know, because we get kind of stuck in making a lot of the same beers sometimes until like a new one. We throw a new one out, it catches on. We'll start doing that, and then I'll always add some new hops in there. And there are so many I want to use, but like. I'm like, which ones do I start at at this point? You know, like, I like I know like the original like you know American like you know Simcoe and Cascade and Centennial and uh, you know Chinook and the stuff that I've been using for years as yeah. like a home brewer and stuff, and I know how those go well together and stuff. But now there's so many. And <laughs> that I, you don't necessarily I don't, know. I don't pilot batch or homebrew yeah. anymore really well, can that you, much. Can you explain to the listener? Because many people listening might not know what pilot batch means. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, breweries will have a small system for doing test batches, uh, you know, five gallon systems for some breweries. Some places will have, like, if they're like a 60 barrel brew house, they'll have like a 10 barrel uh, pilot system, five barrel uh, pilot system. Uh, so. You it know, just allows them to brew smaller batches yeah, be, so that they can get tests. Yeah, so you don't brew this, like, <laughs> you know, 3,000-gallon batch, uh, you know, or, you know, a 60-barrel batch of beer, and then it just completely, like, fails. Or one little <laughs> thing that you wish you changed in it. Yeah, and makes it come out late. not the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, basically, the system that you guys have here kind of, like, gridlocks you to... to have to be really smart with your risk taking i mean like specifically with brewing yeah like i i mean there 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 is other like like i'll try to whenever i see like beers in stores and stuff with different hops and stuff i i'll try them out too because i want to know what that tastes like that's my only way right now of testing them out i mean we could totally (laughs) use like new hops but that's when i have to get into the science so you know i'll i'll look at the different alphas and uh oils and stuff and try to make it make sense be like all right this one might have a little bit of a green edge i say that a lot though yeah yeah, yeah. explain that what's what's green edge mean like almost like a vegetal character like that makes sense it it tastes like leafy almost you know like uh can can you name a beer that you guys make that you kind of has that flavor so we actually just uh remade feather edge and kind of changed it up a bit uh because Amarillo has, will do that to a beer, if, depending on how you're using it, you know, it's a nice one to use as like an accent hop. Like some of the, there's a lot, there, so like, if you look at it as like, some hops are showcase hops, you know, Galaxy, Citra, Mosaic, you know it's going to be good, it's going it, to, you can use bulk amounts of that. And then there's some hops, you know, like a Zaka or like uh, Amarillo, like I was saying, uh, you know, Cascade, Centennial, you can use as like, you know, if you look at the showcase hops, it's the bricks, they'd be like the mortar, you know, they okay. like, they can add cool elements without overpowering it, which can almost add a new flavor to that showcase hop, you know, right. so. But you need the, yeah. you need the, ba- you need the bricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you need those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those showstoppers. Yeah, I mean, and I've, we're specifically talking like, like New England IPA and right, stuff right for this now style. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what. But that green edge we're makes, primarily making. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense in that. Yeah, yeah, in so, that style. It does. 
Um, any other hop thoughts? No, no. I mean, I don't want to talk about hops. No, I, I, well, it's a really important thing because it's a huge part of beer. But we've we've talked about that grain bill on those malts. We've talked about the specifics importance of water. Now we've talked about you know yeast strains and how that can add to the mouthfeel. We've talked about the dry hopping, the removal of those dry hops. Let's just kind of um, move to after you have a beer in your fermenter, you've removed the the dry hop. It's kind of getting to the point where you think it's ready. What's that end process like for, for brewing? So, uh, you know, the last thing really is, you know, once you see that you've hit your final gravity and gravity is, you know, your pretty much your measurement of how fermentation is going. You check your gravity, is, which is like your density of your wart when you pitch, you know, what your potential ABV can be from that. Um, and then as it's fermenting, you keep reading gravities and that gravity is gonna drop as the yeast eats the sugars, it'll become thinner. So you can measure where it is in fermentation based off of your, your gravity reading. So once we see like terminal gravity, final gravity, and it's not dropping, you know that the, the sugars are pretty much eaten up the yeast is done it's going to be flocculating uh going dormant or whatever yeah. and that's and when it falls down into the yep so the we, bottom that's when we judge conical. when to dry hop and when to you know do other p- parts of the final process and once it's completely done you have the cold crash which is when you drop the temperature down to about like 32 degrees or so and that at that temperature everything will settle to the bottom of the cone of the fermenter and you can dump it off of there so once everything's kind of out everything's kind of melded together you kind of have to let the beer sit for a little while so it's not again too green tasting you'll actually actually green like you'll get that hot burn yep and uh we definitely gotten that a bunch oh yeah yeah. oh yeah (laughs) so a lot of the time that hot burn is from packaging too early and not letting things kind of condition and settle out okay do you think things can condition in the can yeah yeah that's okay like sometimes if you buy like a can of something like even happens you know like you'll drink it like one of your cans of your four pack or something it'll be like harsh five days later you open the next one you're like wow this is a completely different beer yeah that's wild it also depends too because that's still in there it drops at the bottom of the can or whatever so if you a lot of people leave like a little bit at the bottom of the can when they're pouring it and stuff. Well, now uh, I know that I was a huge idiot for a long period of time because yeah, I used to be like big, <laughs> big into like getting that sediment back in there. Oh yeah, Calling I mean, well, if goodies. it's good packaging, you know, it works. I, yeah. I will say that sometimes that's very true, and then that's that's so wise. I used to only get singles of things, yeah, and I would only drink it the one time, yep. you know, to try to get on my untapped profile. So like. Uh, Wow, that that makes so much sense that if you just let it sit for like another couple of days, you might have a completely different experience with that beer. Man, we're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. And so many beer drinkers are cuz they would they would that first interpretation they had of that beer would be their interpretation. Ah, oh, well, shit, I got a lot of hot burn. Or they they would post it on being like I got a lot of hot burn five stars. Yeah, you know. I, know. I mean, that's I'm an asshole too because I'm just making all this up right now. I don't even know. I yeah, know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's very not true. <laughs> um, okay, that, that's awesome. So, so after everything falls out, that's when you move it to the to the bright tank. 
Yeah, yeah, so we'll move it into a uh, bright. We also use uh, uni tanks for like just to try finishing as many beers as we can. Some of them will transfer to the bright, uh, but the uni tank is like a fermenter that you can package out of as well. Okay. There's like a racking arm where you can kind of turn it and adjust. It's like a pretty much like a elbowed like uh, pipe that goes into the tank that you can adjust to the level where you want it so you don't pull any of the stuff at the bottom of the tank into your packaged uh, product. Uh, so we do package some out of uni tanks too. So uh, yeah, so the Bright, you know, is essentially our big giant keg that yeah. we can package out of, Put you know. Into kegs and cans. Yep. Okay. Wow. That is the brewing process from start to finish. Um, before we have final thoughts or final questions for Jeremy, do you guys want to have a palate cleanser? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You guys open to that? Okay. Um, <laughs> for this week, I thought it would be fun to do our first installment of what I'd like to call Mate Debate. Mate Debate. Okay. Now, I know you're thinking, Mate, what the I, hell does I will, that mean? I will not be fucking anyone. <laughs> mate and then We debate. have no intention of having sex here or becoming long-term partners. <laughs> Ever. We <laughs> will say, though... That mate is in the hey mate, good day mate. Oh, all right. so, okay, as right. in like a bro right. or a friend. Okay, so that's what I meant by mate. You Wait, sick did, fucks. Does this have like an Australian uh, t- tie-in or? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to today's version of mate debate. Um, so today we're going to talk about beer vaseware. Oh. Okay, oh, so yeah, for right. those who don't know what beer vaseware is, I got a picture for you all. So I'm showing you the picture. Okay. Yeah, then we'll post this to Instagram. I we'll guess. post this to Instagram uh, when we air this episode, so you guys can all see is, how is cool. That, is it really called vaseware? Though? I literally searched beer vaseware, and this is a Reddit forum oh called God. Proper Vaseware. And the point of this is to take a picture of your beer in its vaseware and uh, show all the people how cool you are. Look, I love Reddit, but. The moderators on Reddit need to fucking <laughs> cut some shit out. So the, 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 <laughs> That's one of them. The, the thing for us to debate today is, is this cool? Is vaseware cool? Or is this another thing that beer nerds took a little bit too far? Uh, well, let me, all right, I'm just going to start. So I was at my, my girlfriend's brother's house the other day, and they have a wine decanter. It looks awesome. Agreed. Beer vaseware? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it will look cool on your shelf, but, like, you're not going to catch me, de- like, drinking out of that thing. Like, I don't want to... Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like uh, Come on in and see my vaseware. Plus, like, the only thing I could drink out of a, a vase would be, like, like uh, a, a light beer, like a Cold Harbor's uh, first, like, Kolsch or Miller Lite or something. <laughs> something real light. Just imagine going into like your, your cabinet, pulling out a vase and putting your beer in it. Yeah. But in this case, it's just more so like glasses that are handmade, hand blown in a lot of ways. But All for right. some reason, instead of just calling them handmade glasses, like artisanal glasses, people decided to start calling these vaseware. Uh, I'll agree with you, Justin. I think it's a lot of tomfoolery. Okay. I think it's ridiculous. To be fair, people do get like rock hard about those like special Tiku glasses from Definitely. That's the from problem. I love Tikus, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for like a sour or something, you know. But yeah. you like just I don't a tiku. Own, I don't own one. You I don't do want not a even tiku own one. where like there's like zigzags yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the stem or like 
God forbid it's like actually like sideways because I've seen them made that way. So, uh, I have my Oxbow Tikus that okay. that's that, that's Mad the respect. extent of it. You okay. know, we're a it's, big fan of Oxbow. But it's um, I don't know. It, it just kind of reminds me of when when Glassware start to make it on the beer form trading forums. Oh my god! It's like uh, you're you're now trading, and in all honesty, like it kind of makes sense because like if you have a four pack of something, you can like trade two cans for the glass that you weren't able to get. I get it. Don't get me wrong, but like. It's just, it's this obsession with everything but the beer a lot of times where it's just like, it's not about the beer you're drinking, it's about the glass you're drinking it out of, or the picture you took of it, or the where you drank it, or how you logged in on Untapped, or what you rated it, and it's just like, let's just stick to the beer. I, I just yeah. hate spending money on anything I can break, well, like with a, a simple... This step. That's, That's why they're great. trading, man. They just stole it from the tap room they went to yeah. anyway after yeah. they finished the beer. All the glasses disappear, man. Like, <laughs> Speaking of stolen glassware, my most prized beer glasses are a set of three dive bar uh, sniffers. Oh. And I just, I love that they're from dive bar. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. I, I oh. They're all scratched Rest up. Rest in peace. So many drunk assholes drink out of those things. Rest in peace. It's a lot of energy. In um, I agree with you guys. And Tom, that's a really great point. I think this comes back to a lot of what we've talked about in the past, which is just like the excess of like current beer culture. You it's know, where beer went too far. Yeah, this is this is an it's example. I agree, podcast. Tommy. This is an example of when beer culture <laughs> went too far. Is- too far, yeah. Yeah, How yeah much? I'd buy that and put some nice flowers. Yeah, in I was gonna there. say all the beer coming out of this is floral. I'm getting floral notes on this one. You know. <laughs> uh, how much? How much does this uh, vaseware go for? That's a great question. That's something uh, that I have no idea if it's, about. If it's hand blown, that picture that you showed us, I, that's got to be anywhere from sixty to hundred dollars. That's fair, and I mean this. This one does look thick, so I understand why people are like excited about it. But, like, why are you drinking the beer in the first place? Is it to take a picture of your vaseware and post it on a forum on Reddit? Or is it to enjoy the beer with a loved one or just for yourself? That's the question I'm asking. <laughs> what I want to know is how soon is it going to be until people start drilling into those and putting percolators in them and uh, <laughs> <laughs> smoking weed through beer, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that is such an incredible point. That's when uh, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up again and talk about it. <laughs> on Meat to Meat. Bong water never tasted so good yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, it's, when it's called Harbor's Ravenna. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. It's Any a little other... resiny, this beer here. <laughs> Any other thoughts on baseware? Uh, no. Just a quick one. <laughs> I'd like to forget uh, about it. Entirely. Yeah, I, no, so would I. But it's it's more of a you know why we why it shouldn't even exist. You know the we all know hot ones. The YouTube video, yes. the YouTube show. Uh, I remember when Alton Brown was on it. You know, if you don't know Alton Brown, look him up. He's pretty famous. Kind of like he hated all those hot sauces. Uh, no, well, but it was more that like he started. He was. I remember he talked about how like. The ins- like pictures of food ruins it because it's just like you're now not even looking at the food because like it's more it, you're just looking at the food when it's this whole experience and like I feel like we're just distracting everyone from the actual beer now so and kind of similar to what he said and, and I don't know I just think it's how like social media has kind of like ruined a lot of things by beating it to death yeah yeah it's just yeah. excess it just just very imagey yeah I, right I'm so disconnected from. I have no social media just because I just feel like it's like a big one-up contest. You know, it's a... Yeah, it sucks. That's a, a great way to put it, honestly. Yeah, it yeah. is a one-up contest. Like, here's my $65 right. beer vaseware <laughs> next to my, you know, triple IPA. 
but be be sure to follow us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Search Canning Run Pod and follow us so you can yeah. see this sweet picture while you're yeah. listening to this sweet episode. Of but don't with- one up us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Cold Harbor on Facebook. You actually should because that's where you guys post a lot of your updates for like oh, yeah, the absolutely. tap room stuff and. So on a personal level, yes. But on a personal level for the brewery, follow. Um, but Jeremy's going to live in his peaceful world away from all that. <laughs> oh, shit. I, I, I applaud you for that. That's, yeah. that's the I'm way to do I'm very impressed. Teach us the ways. I yeah. might just be like kind of burying my head in the sand a little too, you know. I feel yeah, like if I fair. pretend it, We're all ostriches this here. This stuff doesn't exist. In a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel you on that. Uh, okay, thank you, everyone, for our first uh, segment of Mate Debate. Nice. Uh, so let's just kind of yeah, end today with our final thoughts on uh, the brewing process. Any questions we have for Jeremy? Thank you for being here, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah just thank you, Jeremy. Thank, hey, you. thank I mean, you guys for, uh, yeah, I'm happy I showed up today because uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of stuff to do back there. <laughs> no, I, thank you guys so much. This, uh, this means a lot, you guys uh, coming down here and letting me be on your show that I listen to the day it comes out right. I, I get my little uh, message on my phone and on my drive in I have a long drive so I'll always put it on every Saturday so I, thank I, you we appreciate that yeah, I thanks mean, I, Jeremy we I really do appreciate that I don't think we would be doing the podcast without like coming to Cold Harbor early on like no yeah, I don't think I don't think we would have gotten as intense into this if we didn't have Cold Harbor to like kind of shape how our face. vision should go you know what I'm saying <laughs> and, and, and ultimately like you know Cold Harbor was the place we went but it was like Jeremy that really like yeah yeah that we, like we've always made been. it the experience that we hold in such a high regard yeah you man. know so thank you to you and thank you for letting us be here on this chilly November morning yeah no, um, I guess I don't necessarily have any other th- thoughts um, or questions for you because you did a really great job kind yeah. of explaining the process um, but I just, my mind's blown about some of these things and which just like our talks about hops and water specifically. I think when we talk about like the variability in beers, we need to be really mindful of like this process and how like a lot of it comes from the yeast, you know, like as as Jeremy said here, uh, he's just a a, a yeast custodian. So (laughs) um, that's the thing that I'm taking away from this. Wow. My mind's kind of blown, honestly. Yeah. Just thanks again. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Jeremy. Cheers. Cheers.